Well, uh, you can get your worship guides out. If you're new to Connect here, we do what's in really what we call series. So we teach the Bible kind of systemically, line upon line. The Bible says precept upon precept, meaning we can't always teach the entire Bible in one service, and so we'll break it into pieces, almost like slices of bread. Uh, on that note, uh, today's message is entitled Bread uh, from Heaven or Bread of Heaven um, as a continuation of our series entitled Stuck. Everybody say Stuck. stuck. And so um, just to kind of uh, just relax us just a little bit, um, I thought I would uh, share a couple of bread jokes. Is everybody ready for this? <laughs> so I need a little bit of encouragement because I'm not sure these are funny, okay? And so no matter what, everybody laughs, all right? Praise the Lord. So to just start it off, what did the bag of flour say to the loaf of bread? I saw you yesterday. Okay, 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 okay. That wasn't so good. I knew it. I, was kind of, I just thought I came up with my weak one, so I'm going to up the ante here a little bit. Uh, why are bread jokes always so funny? Because they never get mold. I need a drummer here really bad. I need a drummer here really bad. All right. What do you call holy bread? Jesus crust. <laughs> okay. I'm going to get out of these. There's like 10. I'm going to get out of them. I'm going to do one more. Why doesn't anyone want to work in a bakery? Because it's a crummy place to work. Okay. Turn to your neighbor and say, those were awful. Those were awful. All right. Second service. Delete. Delete from file. Delete from file. <laughs> <laughs> you got to try, you got to try. I'm, I'm usually better being funny by accident than I am on purpose, so that's how that works. So we're in a series entitled Stuck, um, and uh, this is where we are dealing with the, the notion or idea that there was a place we once were, and God took us out of that place. There's a place that he wants us to go, and we're wanting to get from point A to point B, but we feel like we're stuck in the middle. Sometimes it's a place of transition. Sometimes it's a place of uh, difficulty. Sometimes it's like uh, what we've been talking about as we've been getting into the series, a detour. Because God has a better plan sometimes than what we're experiencing right now. Can I have an amen? amen. Last week we learned the first detour, which we took from the book of Exodus chapter 15. It was, it was about the bitter waters of Mara, And we talked about the, the, one of the, the most... Da, da, uh, <laughs> the most difficult or destructive elements of relationships is bitterness. It has a, it, it's poisonous, it's insidious. And so we learned that this particular detour, these bitter waters of Mara, um, they, they're not something God caused, it's something that he allows and he actually can leverage these experiences or he can sort of uh, bend these circumstances to his will in order to change us. He can regulate them in order to bring about some changes from the inside of us so that which is bitter can actually become sweet. Amen? Amen. And so that's what kind of last week was about, was taking things that are bitter and realizing that, that God wants to take our bitterness and make it a blessing. It's crazy to think that that's possible, but it is. But what happens is, as we're going through life, we will face these detours, these, uh, these difficulties, these, these temptations, these trials, and we'll face adversity. And on the anvil of adversity, we are learning how to build trust. Trust. Today's a little bit about, about trust school. 
Because all the things that make you and I mature as Christians, when you look and you read your Bibles, you'll see the things that make you mature as a Christian, the attributes of a mature Christian are things like perseverance, things like patience, things like hope, things like joy. If you notice, all of those things are not circumstantially driven. They're all internally motivated. Can I have an amen? But where are those things developed? They're developed at these intersections, these detours, or as we were talking about last week, in the desert. And so if you feel stuck in any way, shape, or form in your journey of faith, this series is for you. Amen? So we're going to talk about the second detour today. We have three detours in this series. This is the second detour. This is following the incident at Mara, and this is the next chapter in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter uh, 16. Okay, and it says the whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of sin. Uh, I feel like singing Viva Las Vegas right there. So that would be like going to Las Vegas, right? Okay, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt in the desert. The whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the Israelites said to them, and I'm going to change my voice because I think this is how they said it. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out here into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. They're just whining and pining here in the deserts of sin. And that's really a a sad situation because in this first crisis, we see they had nothing to drink. In this second one, they have kind of nothing to eat and they begin to complain. And and as their stomachs grumble, their spirits are crumbling. Things are falling apart on the inside because of what's happening on the outside. Is everybody with me? They stopped looking... Uh, forward, they stopped remembering where they come, kind of come from, and they actually started to want to go back to where they once were. I mean, they, they, they're like, remember Caesar's buffet? You know, they're like, hello, we were enslaved for 400 years. We're no longer slaves, but suddenly they're grumbling and they're complaining and they're whining about what the pots of meat that they used to have and all these things that they used to be able to do. See, when we're hit by a detour, I think it's common or it's a natural response to, to, for us to, to focus on what has been taken away, not on what is ahead. Jesus modeled for us, it says in Hebrews, it says, for the joy set before him, what was ahead, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. See, so we need to learn from Jesus' example we need to learn from his word that when we are faced with these detours, what, what, is, what is or what should be our default in those situations? Are you tracking with me, everybody? Because our circumstances, they'll begin to lie to us. They'll begin to distort the truth and basically begin to tell us things that are not reality. You know, God, if you're so good, why is this happening to me? God, if you're so great, you know, why, why, what are you doing? Are you out here? We're in this desert. Are you here to just punish us? Are you trying to kill us? Are you trying to starve us to death? That's what happens in these situations. I remember when I got sick a few years back, and I've hardly ever been sick in my life. And I remember, you know, having a, a bout with cancer. Cancer is a small, some, many of you know this, I had a, a cancerous tumor in my stomach. And praise the Lord, it's, it's gone, and I've been healthy for many years, and I'm grateful for that. But when it first happened, if I'm honest, I was, my first response was, wait a minute, I've been a healthy 
guy. I'm health conscious. I eat well. I, I, I work out. I, I, I've, I'm, I'm active. These different things that I do. How could, how could this happen to me? And then underneath that, if I'm really honest, I was kind of upset with God. And then people prayed for me. And, in fact, I went, I went into the surgery at the hospital. This may sound crazy to some of you, but I told the doctors, I said, you can, you, I want you to look one more time. I want you to do one more scan. I believe this tumor is gone in Jesus' name. And, and, I was, and I was talking boldly, and I had people praying for me, and they, the doctors thought I was crazy. Wait a minute. You know, we're getting ready to go in surgery. I said, I want you to check one more time. You know, I can be intimidating sometimes, and so they did it. <laughs> and... Uh, and so, sure, sure, but unfortunately, it was still there. They said, we're sorry, sir. It's still there. We have to go get it. I was discouraged by it. I was mad. I was a little mad at God about that. I was a little upset about that. But then after the surgery, it was successfully resected, and, and everything, went, everything went very, very well. And God, by the way, as I teach, and I had to practice my own message, he can heal us supernaturally, he can heal us naturally, and he can heal us medically. And sometimes he can do all three at the same time, right? Amen? And so I realized, you know what? This is, there's a different path for me. And I can remember lying flat on my back in this, in this hospital, sort of helpless, the first day complaining. But by the second day, I started to realize God was doing something inside of me, and and I started think, I stopped, stopped thinking about what's way off in the future, and I started thinking about just today. I started living in the day. I started focusing on my walk with God day by day. In fact, after that, because of that experience, my relationship with God, the routines that I had were refreshed. They changed. They changed. I started to pray not for what's going to happen way down the road. Or I was praying for today's strength. I was praying for today's you know, sustenance for my life. Is everybody with me? And I think that's the message that God is trying to teach through this detour. He's trying to basically say to you and I, in God's story, he's trying to say, I want to teach you how to rely on me, trust me, depend on me for the, just the next 24 hours. Will you stop worrying about tomorrow? We stop thinking about later? Just focus on, I want to, I want to take you to trust school. Is everybody there? Okay. And so this next verse, look what happens. It says, the Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat. Praise the Lord. All the men said amen. And in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That, and then that evening these small birds, these quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. Now check this out. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Now here's what it was. It was frosted flakes. <laughs> They got up, and, and they're like, what is it? I, as soon as I read it, I knew exactly what it was. They didn't know what it was, but I was like, Cat, weren't, didn't you, weren't you raised right as a kid? How could they not know what it was? It's like frosted flakes. It's pretty good. They're great. So they get these frosted flakes, right? And uh, excuse me while I partake of this divine sustenance. <laughs> Let's just figure out what they are, right? So the Bible describes it a little bit more. This manna, frosted flakes, was like coriander seed and looked like resin. 
The people went around gathering it and then ground it in their hand and, and they crushed it into mortar and they cooked it in a pot made, and made it into loaves and it tasted like something made with olive oil, okay? <clears throat> so this man, this frosted flake stuff, they would go out every day and they collect frosted flakes off the ground and then they would cook it many different ways. They'd make manna muffins, you know, manna burgers, you know, they'd make, you know, manna oatmeal. It was like something out of the Forrest Gump movie, you know, Bubba Gump, remember, you know? <laughs> All different kinds of shrimp, you know. That's what this was like for them. They had, but at the end of the day, you could do it all kinds of different ways, but how many know it was still manna? It was just a lot of varieties of manna, okay? And so as, as they continue, Exodus 16, it says, the Israelites ate manna. Check this out. Did you guys see those two words here? For, 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 for 40 years until they came to, to Connecticut. I mean, Canaan land, okay? All right, so between this, this season of coming out of Egypt and going to Canaan land, this 40-year journey they're on, they ate one type of food. I mean, I like Frosted Flakes, okay? But 40 years of Frosted Flakes? I don't know. I don't know if I can handle something like that. Have you guys ever had a time in your life where you had to, because of economy, have to eat something morning, afternoon, and night, like till you almost wanted to gag on it? Has anybody ever had a period in their life like that? Like, like I bet you you know what I'm talking about right now. Has anybody ever had... Has anybody ever had, whoops, where is it? Is it there? Has anybody ever had these? Oh, yeah? I'm bringing back some memories right now. The three-minute miracle meal. Ready to go, right? Five for a dollar. This was my junior year in college, okay? Morning, afternoon, and night. It was fine. I can remember going like a week. My skin smelled. You know what I mean? Like the room had a stench to it and it was like, what is that? It's like, he's like a, he is a ramen noodle. I can remember my friend would come in and he would pick this up. And if he did this, I, I was like, I'll kill you. I'll kill you. I'll kill you. If you do that again, stop crinkling those things. These, these Israelites are sick of it. They're just sick of it at this point in time. You can't even judge them for it. They're like so beyond, you know, I think they're, you know, they're just, they're so sick of this. And the reason I say that is because I think we get to a place in the desert where there's something in our life we're sick of. I'm sick of this. What are you, what's draining you? What's, what's straining you? What's taking your joy? What's taking the life out of you? What are you sick of? I have, I have people in my life. I have one person that he's suffered from Lyme's disease. And, and, and when, I, when I start to talk to them, you can hear it. I'm sick of this. I have people in my life that have some marital problems. And if I talk to him, he says, she doesn't get it. I'm sick of it. I talk to her, he doesn't get it. I'm sick of it. I talk to some people in my life, and they're, you know, they're, they're, so, they're so tired of living in the basement of their parents' house. They can't rub two dimes together. They keep losing their jobs. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. That's what people are saying all the time. I'm, I, I have a, a member of my family who's sick, and the doctors don't know what's wrong. We keep going from one treatment to another to another. There's, they have no direction for us. I'm sick of it. What are you sick of? What are you sick of? God has a, an answer to that problem. 
But it's not what you think. It's not what you're chasing after. It's not what you're running after. It's not what you're, it's not what you're going for. It's like the woman at the well in John chapter 4. She thought she would find what she's looking for in her five husbands. But Jesus said it's not going to be found in that. There's a drink here that if you recognized what it was, you'd never thirst again for the deep thing that you're looking for, not just the surface thing. God is trying to teach Israel that, and he's trying to teach us the same thing in the situation you're in. We're basically, currently right now, we're, we're, we're in that desert place. You are here. You are here, if that resonates with you. You see, the desert of Sinai is where we can get really, really sick if we don't guard our hearts. The Bible tells us, it gives us some strong instruction and Proverbs to guard our heart with all diligence. Why? Because if we're not diligent to guard our heart, these circumstantial things can deceive us and distort the truth about what God is trying to teach us in the trust school, in the journey of faith. Is everybody with me? You can start grumbling and you can start griping and you can start complaining to God and you can do what they did. We were better off. That's what they're saying. We're better off in Egypt with those pots of meat. We were better off at Caesar's buffet. You taking us out here to starve us to death. We were better off, what, in chains? We were better off, God, without you. Without you. One guy quote, he said, the Israelites grumbling was as if cosmic treason. It was a big deal. But what's God doing here? He's trying to teach us that our sustenance, our source is in him. It's in, it's in this man. He wanted to teach us to trust him every day for daily bread. And so he gives us these frosted flakes. <laughs> in Exodus chapter 16, verse 4, look what it says. Hopefully. There we go. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down. I'm just going to rain this stuff down on you, bread from heaven. It's just going to be coming from all over the place. And the people, you're supposed to go out every day, and you're supposed to pick up Three-second rule. You're supposed to pick up. <laughs> it's too late for that. You're supposed to pick these things up each day. Gather enough for what? For what? That day. If you gather more than that, listen, it goes on to tell you it will rot. It turns to worms. God was so interested in teaching them daily dependence. You know, success is in not in a day. It's in the daily. It's the same way with our relationship with God. In this way, I'm going to test them to see whether they're, uh, they're going to follow my instructions or not. I had to eat that one. So who do you come to for your needs? Where do you go to when you're, when you're looking for what you're looking for? Where do you go for your sustenance and strength? Here's your big idea, and we're going to move fast. Today's big idea is God wants to teach us to rely on him every day, every day for everything. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, give us this day our what? Daily bread. Daily bread. So he's basically, I think God, is, it's, this is not a perfect analogy, but I think he's kind of like, come to me. He's just like, follow me. Just follow me. Stop trying to get it all and then pull me out of the equation. Just come to me today. I got another one for you. Come to me today. I got another. The cleaning crew is going to be really upset. Come to me. I got another one. He's trying to teach us. To trust him every single day for, for our needs. Where, do you, where does your heart go when things don't go the way you want them to go? When it didn't go the way you planned? I think the desert of Sinai, that, that place there, this, this is a place where we develop our dependence upon God. 
where all the other sources and resources that we rely on dry up so that we come, again, God, God leverages these things. He allows these things so we realize, you know what? You're all I need. We sing songs like that, but sometimes we don't live lives like that. When I came, when I came through this sickness back in 2012, I overcame it, you know, and it was, it was, it was the, the, the lessons learned from that, the encounters with God from that, listen, it sounds so weird. On one hand, I'm like, I had, I had a life-threatening thing. On the other hand, it was the strangest blessing. I look back and people ask me sometimes and I'm thinking to myself, I don't know that I would want it any other way. I, do I want anybody to get sick? Do I want to get sick to learn that? No, but you know what? It was, I'm thankful. It's strange. I know some people, when they do overcome, when they respond in the desert appropriately, they could have a financial crisis, and they, and they just, it was the strangest blessing. It taught me, you know, how to steward better. It taught me how to be grateful for what I have. It taught me the spirit of contentment, something that was from within. I've heard people that have overcome marital problems, massive marital problems, even as extreme as infidelity, and they've come together, and the bone that was broken was reset, and they were stronger than they were before, and they're saying, it's the strangest blessing. We're more in love with God and each other than we ever were. And that's, and, and, and that's what God is trying to teach you because he, he's trying to teach you something that sometimes we don't realize. That if you'll never know, God is all you need until God is all you have. And I'd, I'd rather, and I hope you come to a place in your life where you get, you get there, hopefully the right way, where sometimes you're stripped away from all the things that you have and all the things that you want, so you realize that God is all you need because, because that is all that matters in the end. Amen. That's why I think there's sometimes more miracles in Pakistan and other parts of the world and other situations because they realize that, that God is all they need. And sometimes and in many, many instances, that is actually all they have. And I don't want to be a fat cat Christian here in, in this Northeast culture. I want to be a Christian that is lean and mean and trusts God for everything, every day. Amen. And the trust that he's trying to develop in us, the bedrock belief of that trust, whether you live in another part of the world or you live here, underneath that is that you realize and you come to the, to the revelation knowledge that you are a child of God and God loves you. When you realize that God loves you, that you're a king's kid, just like salvation being provided for us by grace, did we deserve it? No, we did not deserve it. Did he give it to us? Yes. Was it above and beyond all that we could ever ask? Yes. God will give you everything you need precisely when you need it because you're his child. And he knows as a good parent how to parent his children. And this daily bread, it comes in many forms. And sometimes it's not going to come in frosted flakes on the front lawn. But it's going to come in an email from a friend that you haven't heard from in a long time or a text message at the most timely moment that you would have never expected. I just heard this this last week when I was talking to somebody. I can't even believe you're texting me. I can't even believe you're calling me right now. It might come in, in, in a donation or a contribution that you never expected and you needed it in just the right time, in just the right way. It might come in some eerie way from a sermon or a message that it feels like it was directed right at me. That's how God provides manna for you. Because you never know God is all you need until God is all you have. Can I have an amen? amen? What if the situation that you hate, what if the situation that maybe you despise, the circumstances that you currently loathe, 
are some catalyst to bring about transformation in your heart, the biggest muscle in your life? What if that's what it's for? But you're, you're not asking or you're not receiving, uh, the, 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 you're not responding the appropriate way. When you are stuck in this potentially difficult place, God is actually trying to make it a sacred place in your life to do something inside of you. Where you get to the point, as I was in that hospital, and I wasn't before the difficulty, where I'm realizing, God, if everything was taken away, I have you. If everything was stripped away, I have you. It's all about you. We sang in the first part of this week in our, in our uh, week of prayer. There was a worship team here, and we just sing, it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. It's so easy to think it's all about me. It's all about me, but it's not. And maybe this place is a place where we can get honest with God, and we can realize that, you know what? If I'm honest with you, God, that didn't bring me peace. If I'm honest with you, God, that actually doesn't supply the security that I wanted. If I'm honest with you, God, this thing that I've been chasing all my life does not bring the significance that I was looking for. It's only in you that I find those things. And I'm thankful, God, for this tragic, this, this, this trial, this difficulty, this desert experience I have. I'm thankful for that because it's the very place that is producing the very fruit that I needed. And trust is being developed in me. Trust is not rusting inside of me. It's hardening inside of me. Amen? It's so important that we see this the way God wants us to see this. Because most people, when they experience a detour, and I pray this won't be you, you won't say, why me? Why me? You you won't whine when you say, why me? You will say, God, what are you trying to do in me through this? And in the process, God can do a mighty work inside of us because he doesn't want us to be spoiled children or, 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 or children with issues. He wants us to be free. So you might have an anger problem and you're wondering why are all these things keep happening, all these things. And, and every time the smallest provocation and you are out of control. See, God doesn't want you to be an enslaved child. He wants you to be free. So he's, he's using these, he's leveraging these experiences to, to get you free from your anger. Maybe you're a person with control issues and you're always trying to manage everything. And if it's out of control or something's unpredictable, you can't handle it. Maybe God's trying to show you he's the only one who's in control. And when life is out of control, God is still in control. And he's trying to teach you and set you free from those things. But it took the Israelites 40 years to pass this trust school. 40 years. And, and so God, in the meantime, was just, he was working them. Will it, take, will it take you, Derek, 40 years? Will it take you, 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 and you 40 years? How long is it going to take you? That's why we need to learn how to eat the bread from heaven. Can I have an amen? amen. And so there's three ways that manna provides a source of strength. Write this down <clears throat> if you're taking notes. The first one is with God's promises, with God's promises. Moses... Um, said this in Deuteronomy chapter, I think it's 8, it said, verse 2, it says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way into the wilderness? Remember this, those, these 40 years. What was he trying to do? He was trying to humble you. Stop thinking about yourself more highly than you ought. Think about God as highly as you should and test you in order to know what? What was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. So he humbled you, causing you to what? Hunger. That's what happens when you're in a hospital bed. Your your passions change. Your desires change. That's what happens when you're you're forced, in a sense, to drop to your knees. 
You hunger. And then what does he do? He feeds you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known. He's going to feed you with something different. This is a foreshadowing of that which is to come when Jesus would come in the New Testament. He gave them something they'd never had before or never seen before, and that's exactly what happens in the New Testament. To do what? To teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Amen? In the desert, write this down, God's word is our food. In the desert, God's word is our food. It's our food. Feeding on scripture is a core strength and essential for every believer. Sometimes when you're in the desert, all you have are God's promises. I don't know if you've ever been reading your Bible as a Christian, and, and you know, sometimes it's just tralalas and kubayas, and you just go on to the next thing. But sometimes you're reading, and something, a scripture pops off at the page. It jumps on you. It resonates with something inside you. It, it rings true with you. It, it's because you're in the desert, but you are connecting with the test. Is anybody with me? Remember when I was in the hospital and, and the scripture Psalm 34, 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. It was just like, oh, thank you. That's all I needed in that time. It's all I had, but it was all I needed was his promises. I can remember being broken over a relationship, just crushed over a relationship. And a, and a promise came, Psalm 34, 18, you know, that he's near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And I held on to that promise. Are you holding on to the promises of God, God's word like that? These promises will change your, your focus from your problems to his promises. Jesus was tested 40 days. Do you know where he was tested? In the desert. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus was tested. So I'm going to be tested. He was tested in the desert. And he had no food and no water. And, 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 the, and the enemy came to him and said, uh, see these stones over here, Lord? Why don't you turn those into, why don't you turn those into bread? And, and how did Jesus combat his enemy when he was tested? Not with his own strength and his own ability. He said, he quoted this scripture from Deuteronomy. He said, man's not going to live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is written. That's what you need to know. Jesus said, I'm the new Israel. Israel didn't pass the test right away. It took him 40 years. I'm going to show you how to do it, and I'm going to do it by, by, by standing on the promises of God. Every day, listen to me, you need to gather manna. Every single day, gather manna and feed your soul. Can I have an amen, a strong amen out there? Here's number two. Number two. Number two. Okay? This is how we, this is how we receive strength and sustenance is by the power of prayer. In God's word, if God's word is bread, then prayer is how we digest God's word. It's how we assimilate God's word. It's how we get it into our system, as it were. Philippians tells us in chapter 6, verse uh, uh, 6 and 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything. Anything means anything. But in every situation, that means there's no exceptions to that. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, an attitude of gratitude, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So nothing is off the list. Don't be anxious about anything. Your cares, your concerns, your anxieties. I love that word it uses, anxieties. But how do we overcome it? The core of a successful prayer life is an attitude of gratitude. So how do we get over the test and the detour that we're in right now? We have to do what Israel should have done and said, oh yeah, you delivered me from the Red Sea? That's right. 
That's right. That was a mighty miracle. Oh, yeah, you came through at the, the, the bitter waters of Mara. That's right. That was an incredible miracle. So I trust you, God, that you're going to get me through my next situation and my next circumstance. I rehearsed the previous miracles so that I can receive the next miracle in my life. And that's what happens. And when that happens, you receive something on the inside. You, prayer might not change the circumstances, but I can promise you this. It will change you. It will change you. Amen? Manna. Now, I'm going to ask the, the team to come as, we, as, we, as we're going to partake of communion this morning, believe it or not. The Bible actually says when you receive uh, communion, you don't do it necessarily often. It just says as often as you do it remembering me. And I was preparing this message, and I asked if they would be willing to do communion today because I believe it's going to be different today. Because my final point is this. How do we receive what we're looking for? Pray, prayer is how you digest God's word. But number three, with the bread of life. See, bread from heaven that it was spoken of in the book of Exodus is simply a foreshadowing of the ultimate bread that came from heaven to earth, and that was Jesus Christ. In John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said this. He said, I declare this, I am the bread of life. Like, what? That is a, this should be an exclamation point there. The translators missed an opportunity. This is such an unusual statement. It is, so, it is so unique to be able to say something like that. Whoever, whoever's hungry, whoever's, whoever is unsatisfied, whoever uh, uh, believes in me, it goes on to say, will never be thirsty. So your hunger, your need, your thirst, it's all quenched in me. I am the bread of life. And what's interesting about bread in our culture today, and I would submit to you that it's not just what we see in the world today, but it's what we see also in the church. <clears throat> in particular, I would say the American church. I think our culture, un unless you're my wife, doesn't think bread's a big deal. My wife's from the South, so you have bread at every meal if you're in the South. <clears throat> but bread's kind of not a big deal today. Bread is something that if you're at a restaurant, they put on the table as an extra. It's kind of like, would you like bread with that? Bread, bread is free. Here, would you like bread? You don't have to pay for it. I, I know it's free because when I was in college, I went to Cracker Barrel just to get cornbread, and then I would leave. <laughs> don't tell anybody. Bread has been so low on the meal value or place value of a meal that when you put somebody in prison, they'll say to you, well, he's just on bread and water. Bread is seen low. It's not, on the, it's not on the essentials for health in our life today. Nobody goes to a steakhouse. Nobody goes to a, 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 a fish restaurant that specializes in fish or sushi for the bread. But how many know it's always offered? It's always offered more or less as an extra. And, and so I think people are going for something else. People are looking for chicken parm and filet mignon and, and lobster. And, and, and Matt, does anybody feel the anointing come in the room when I talk about these awesome meals <laughs> but bread has been seen as an extra and I don't have time to expound upon this but from Genesis all the way to Revelation God has been trying to teach us something from the beginning to the end that bread in Jesus day was not an extra it was not a side dish it was the main course bread was the main course bread was mentioned 300 times in the Bible 300 times in the Bible he says, I'm the bread of life. He tells us this over and over and over again. I'm going to get to this. There it is. 
Nope, it didn't have the one I was looking for. But Jesus broke bread with us. Jesus' uh, disciples would go from house to house and they would break bread, right? Because it was so vital to everyday life. If, if people were being entertained, they would, the Bible would say, we're going to prepare a feast. And you know what the feast would be? Bread and bread. Imagine if you came home, gentlemen, hungry from a long day's work, and your wife says, I prepared a feast. You're like, oh, thank you, God. What is it? She said, bread and more bread. But see, God is trying to teach us that the main thing in all things is that Jesus is the bread of life. That you can take everything away. You can take the vegetables away. You can take the meat away. But you cannot take the bread away. The bread is critical to our lives. In church, that's what this is all about. It's not about the trimmings. It's not about the lights. It's not about the the, the instrumentation. It's not about the coffee in the lobby. It's not about the nice smiles that you get on the way in the door. The main course is Jesus, the bread of life. We never should have a meal without bread being the main course. Whatever we sing about, whatever we talk about, it should always be the main thing is to keep Jesus the main thing in all things. Remember, he is the main course. And I wonder sometimes if, if God, when he comes into our services or he comes into your devotional life or he comes into your daily life, if he sees us or hears us, what is he hearing? What is he seeing? What would he say? Am I, a, am I the main dish? Am I an extra to you? Am I a side dish? Am I a take it or leave it if you don't want it? If it falls on the floor, that's okay? Or am I the main course in your life? When we partake of communion today, I want you to rededicate your commitment to Jesus, the bread of life. Because when you take that in, you need to know this is life. Life eternal. I'm the main course. I'm not something to be take it or leave it. Don't get so busy. Don't get so distracted. Don't get so discouraged in all the things that are happening in your life that you forget that all that stuff, it was stripped away. You could still have Jesus and you'd have everything you need. John 6 says this, I'm the bread of life. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. And you need to know just what this says. You need fresh bread today. And so we're going to take, take moments today to have fresh bread. And so uh, is the communion ready? Are we ready to go? You guys can get into position now. It would be great. Um, God gave his children every day fresh bread out on that front lawn. Here's something interesting. Listen to me, everybody, while, while they're getting ready into position. Listen. This is, this is good for fathers, too, and husbands. I want you to, I want you to pay attention to this. But, but, but God, didn't, God could have put the bread right into their house, but he didn't. God could have made that miraculously just come right into their homes, but he didn't. He put it out on the front yard. You know why? Because you're going to have to get out of your house. You're going to have to go out. You're going to have to get it, and you have to bring it into your home. You're going to have to bring the bread into your house. I'm just saying something to men. just feel like I need to say this, but are you the breadwinner in your home? I'm not talking about finances, but I'm talking about when there's, when there's a spiritual need, when there is a spiritual emptiness, when there's a spiritual vacuum, are you the one that they come to for prayer? Are you the one they come to for a, for a, for a word from God? Maybe it's because you're living on old bread and you need fresh bread as a man of God so that you can provide fresh bread for your family and for your household. You need to get sometimes out of your seat 
and get out of your little home, your comfort zone, and you need to go get that bread and you need to bring it into your life and then you need to bring it into your homes. God wants you to be the primary breadwinner of your house. We need some breadwinners here today. Can I have an amen? Because I think many of us were living on yesterday's bread. And according to this word, we need daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread because yesterday's bread is, is already corrupted. Yesterday's bread is already old. We cannot live on old testimonies. You can't even live on last Sunday's message even though it was good. You have to live on today's bread. I got up this morning and read the promises of God before I came to church. I'm not going to feed somebody if I haven't fed myself. But you need to feed yourself with fresh bread. Amen? So here's our, here's our practice as a church when we partake of communion. We're going to come during this next song. You're going to take the elements to your seat and the, and the team will lead you. You take it back to your seat. But I'm asking you to reestablish... Jesus Christ is the main course in your household. But I'm also asking if, if you're here today, and if you could just do me a favor and just close your eyes for a minute, I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to bless the elements, and then you're going to come. But this is what it says in John chapter 6, that chapter where he says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. If you're here today and you're listening online and you're listening in this room with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're listening, I'm just telling you, sir, man, boy, or girl, there's no need that can be met outside of Jesus Christ. You're here because he wants to meet your need at the deepest level, but you must come to him. You must come to the bread of life. He says, come to me. In verse 40, it says, and this is the will of him who sent me that everyone who sees the son and believes in him may have everlasting life and I will raise him up on the last day. If you're willing to give your life to Jesus today and you've never done that before, you, you can be with him on the last day if you believe in him. You confess him as Lord and Savior. If that's you today, I want you to just raise your hand right in your seat and just say, Pastor, pray for me. I, don't, I want to make sure I'm in good standing with God. God bless you. God bless you. Is there anybody else that says this? Thank you, sir, over here. That's good. I see your hand. Anybody else I'm missing? Anybody else? God, all the way in the back. I see you, young man. That's great. Amen. Those of you who raise your hand, you can put your hands down. And everybody, if you just put your hands on your heart, I'm just going to say a prayer. This is for all of us, but especially those that just raised your hand. Just say, Jesus. I invite you into my life. I know you see me, but I believe in you today. I believe you see my life. You know the condition of my heart. And you've come into my life by faith, by grace, I receive. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Make me a new creation in Christ Jesus. I want to be with you on the last day. I thank you for eternal life. And I thank you for the bread of life. Refresh my walk with God. Help me to see that you are not a side dish. You are not an extra, but you are the main course in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. You can stand to your feet as we worship, and the team will direct you as you come, and you can take the elements as they lead you in Jesus' name.